Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. That song would be this one in Proverbs 18:21. It says this: "The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk uh, talk will reap the consequences." In the message, it says this: "Words have the power of life and death. Words kill. Words give life. That either poison or fruit." You choose, and uh, and that video portrayed words attacking people in situations, and people laying on the ground as if they, you know, they marked the body when someone's died. It was portraying that those words do have power to to almost like take someone out, to stop them, to just stop them living the life they should be living, and and it caused them to something to die on the inside. But you see that girl, little girl running around and speaking words of life. And it caused them to get back up again and to live again. And so the words we speak, and I want to talk about tonight about the words of faith versus words of fear. Words of faith versus words of fear. It says in Hebrews 11.3, which speaking about words, it says this, Faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's words. He spoke, um, he spoke and the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. So God, the reason we're all here is because God spoke. And the, and the words he spoke brought life. It brought something out of nothing. Out of nothing, he brought life. He brought this world. He brought brought you out of it, just him speaking you into existence. He spoke, as you read in Genesis, he spoke and the world was created. He put everything into place by speaking a word. And so the Bible speaks a lot about the things we say can affect our lives and it affects the things you say can affect other people. It can affect yourself and it will internally affect you and then eventually it can also bring out things physical things about depending on what you say and what people say against you either good or bad can come out of your life in a in a physical way because you react to the words that have been spoken over your life and so you know we've all heard the um saying sticks and stones may break my bones but words will never hurt me that's not true they say, oh, you might, someone who thought they were really tough probably came up with that. And uh, still, oh, sticks and stones, they might break my bones, but your words won't hurt me. And uh, that's not true. I can remember when I was uh, when I was young in year one, and uh, I can remember because I lived out on a farm and used to get a bus into school every day, and this is down in Victoria, and um, year one, and because for whatever reason, because uh, I lived out of town, there was a group of, I didn't have really any friends, and so there's a group of guys that would every day in year one, they would say things every single day and bully me every single day for a whole year, and uh, and just, and sometimes they'd want to, you know, do whatever, but most of it was just words, and for whatever reason, they decided they didn't like me or feel threatened by me or something like that, because I probably didn't fit in with what they uh, thought or wanted or whatever, and this is only year one, but I can still remember that over and over again, they would speak words and say nasty things and all that and then and then we moved up to Queensland the next year and I expected school to be the same and I got to Harvey Bay and it wasn't which was good and uh and went to Torquay school and then there was a whole bunch of people that you know made friends and all that kind of stuff but as I went through primary school 
because of what had happened and what people had said, I had this underlying like wound kind of there that like that if something it's like it, it gets to a certain it's like when people say stuff, it gets to build up and it gets to a certain point. So suddenly then I began to school and someone didn't happen all the time, but occasionally someone might say something similar to what happened, what they would say to me, and I'd react. And, and, you know, and I'd react out of it because there's an underlying thing about that. It's been said before and now I was sort of getting a bit older or whatever and I'd react and then so I'd react and say something back that wasn't nice or, or some occasionally be in the odd fight occasionally or whatever. And so that, you know, and that was because there was this underlying wound caused by words, sticks and stones. They break your bones but words will never hurt you. That's not true. They do. They leave wounds in people's hearts and souls and, 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 and can be for... And as you get older, it doesn't like, oh, when I get older, I get over it. No, it can actually get worse if it's not dealt with. And when I was about 11 years old, I went out on a Royal Ranger camp, which is like scouts for Christians, and um, kind of thing. It was good. Anyway, we're in these, these massive camps, and one night this guy's speaking, and he's speaking about Jesus, and on the back with about 500 kids in the middle of nowhere under the stars. And, uh, and I gave, uh, and when I was 11 years old, I stood up and gave my life to Jesus. And when I did that, all that stuff that had been happened, all those words, God almost healed it in a matter of months. It was like he just, I just suddenly knew that I just didn't need to be affected by that anymore. That I didn't need to react to that because suddenly I understood that God loved me for who I was. And then I didn't have to, then what even me said wasn't true. And then what people said, it didn't matter because I knew that God loved me and cared about me. And so, but words, if that's not dealt with, words can affect you and words can be negative and positive. And they can be exactly the opposite when you speak words of encouragement and words of life into people and actually build someone up. And it doesn't tear them down, it actually builds them up. And so we should always be speaking, but as it says there, words can bring life and words can bring death and you choose what ones you're going to speak. You choose. God says you choose. We have the choice of the words we speak. Who's ever heard of sticky bombs? A couple of you. A couple of the older people in the crowd might have. In World War II, they, um, they invented these bombs called, you've probably seen them on a, 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 a type of sticky bomb on a few movies, but they were a real thing. And what they were, were is they would, when, if you can get close enough, you have to be pretty game to try and use one, but it wasn't a bomb you threw. It was like this small little handheld device that was sticky and they would run up and get close enough to tanks, German tanks, um, and all, they both sides had them, and they'd try and stick them on the tracks of the tank, and the bomb would blow up just big enough to blow the track off the tank. So if you could get blow the track off the tank, the tank couldn't go anywhere, and you start, disabled the tank. Trouble is, someone had to run up there to the tank, and uh, and or hide in some in a hole somewhere and try and throw it on the tank. Then he had five seconds to um to get away without being shot by someone. And anyway, so that was a great, someone's great idea about a stuff. Um, but they soon, they got, didn't have a lot of them, and so they'd run out of them. So the Americans, the Rangers in World War II, they came up with their own sticky bomb. And um, so they would say, hey, uh, Bob, I need your sock. So they'd pull some, get someone's woolen sock, and, uh, they, and they would fill it with some, you know, some kind of explosive and um, put a uh, detonator in it and a wick they could light and they would sort of seal it up and they'd cover it in axle grease. This is their own sticky bomb. And they get do the same thing, get close, light the wick, get close enough and stick it to the, to the track and it's, it's, you know, on the track of the tank and they take cover and try and blow the uh, track off the tank. I don't know if it worked very well because um, I don't think they kept going for a while because it probably wasn't very effective. They probably lost more people than they did trying to use the things. But the point is that 
they would, you know, if it did work, generally the, the tank was still a tank. It was still dangerous. It could still fire. It could do all these kinds of things. But it, if it worked and knocked the track off, the tank was there, but it was actually disabled and it was immovable. Now, the tank was repairable. If they could get out and fix the track, the tank could go again. So it was repairable, but if not, it was sort of a sitting duck, and they would then try and destroy the tank. And I want to tell you, negative and fearful words are like sticky bombs. They're, uh, they're like, if it's like, it's almost like they can stick to you. They stick to your heart. They stick to your soul. And the words, are, and it's like they build up, and it's like if they build up, and it's someone that happens again and happens again, it's like it's almost like a it's a detonator, like a wick that's slowly burning down, and it's like they one after another, and you, people might, it could be something you're growing up, and some a family member or someone saying you're no good, you're no, you'll never amount to anything, you'll never make it. You're useless. You're the, you know, they negative, 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 and then after a while that builds up, and then the person starts to believe it. And they go, oh, maybe I am. And it's like it's like a detonator that's slowly burning down and all of a sudden they say it, it gets said one more time and suddenly that person either does two things. They either implode and they can people can fall into depression, like a physical response. You know, they fall into depression or they turn to something else, a harmful way of living or they just sort of uh, isolate themselves from other people or say, I don't want to talk to anyone because they might say something negative about me. Or it goes the other way and they explode and they retaliate or say something or do something that, you know, hurts someone or just all this built-up stuff, they just, re- you know, rebel against that. But that our negative words and our fearful words are like those sticky bombs. That, that, and what they do, is, what it does is disable someone. It doesn't kill them, it disables them. And it's like, they're sort of kind of like a sitting duck. It's kind of like the enemy goes, oh, if I can just disable them, well, then that's fine. They can just sit there and then they, they can't be effective against me or they can't do anything and they can just sit there and, and then and I'm happy with that. And the enemy wants to disable people by negativity and through words and through fear, but God wants to build people up. The good news is that you can be disabled by that, but then God can heal you. And God can build you back up. Just like the tank can be fixed and the track can be fixed and off it goes again. You can be fixed by God and He's the one that built you. He's the one that understands you. And in the same way, when you come to Him, He can heal a broken heart. He can heal the pain. He can heal the wounds that may have built up in your life. He can heal those areas, those words that have been spoken. He can actually bring life and healing to you. And you're not disabled. You're not stuck in that place forever because God is able to heal you and bring you to the person and bring you to the place where you've always meant to be. And so in situations in life, we have to guard our lips so that we don't speak words that will damage others. We have to be aware of what we say. You have to be so aware of what you say. And especially with people that maybe you don't know or someone that's new and someone new comes to church and, and you're chatting to them and maybe you don't know them very well and, and you don't know what their past has been. And sometimes we can say things that, oh, you know, a group of people are at work and we can say things, we, it's a bit of a joke or whatever, but suddenly you hit a wound in their heart and they react or they suddenly don't want to talk to you anymore and go, what did I say? And so you can... Be, you have to be very careful on the words you speak. Even when we're sometimes joking or mucking around, sometimes it's okay, you know, when you're it's from someone, you know, they understand you and you're playing around. But when it's people you don't really know that much, you can say something that can 
bring out open like open up a wound in their heart and really hurt someone. So we have to be aware of the words that we speak. In Psalm 141 verse 3, it says, Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. Take control of what I say, God, and guard my lips. So we can ask God to help us to take control of what we say, to be aware of what we say. It's almost like you think it, you're going to say it, and then God goes, uh-uh. And you're like, oh, no, I shouldn't say that. And so it's like giving God permission to correct you before you say it. Giving God permission to stop you before you say it. Think about what you're about to say. Think about what you're about to do. What's, what effect is that going to have? In the same way, it says in Proverbs 4.23, you know, words can get spoken against us. The enemy uses people, unfortunately, to hurt other people. And the enemy uses broken people to hurt other people. And, uh, you know, hurt people can hurt others. And, and so the enemy loves using that and he'll, you know, it's almost like he, he'll sacrifice someone's life and like a broken life. He just, I'll just use this person to damage all these other people. And if he can, he'll do terrible things. And so then almost like people can attack him. Why are they attacking me? And it's like a spiritual attack from the enemy, but he uses people to do it. And so we have to guard our hearts against things like that and be aware that the it's not the person. We're never, ever fighting against people. We're never, ever People aren't the enemy. We have a real, very real enemy that wants to use people and, and use broken people and hurting people to uh, hurt others. But we now identify there's an enemy behind the scenes that is trying to bring destruction and speak words. And so we, in Proverbs 4.23, it says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else. It will determine the course of your life. So what's in your heart? will determine where you're going. It will determine where you end up. Guard your heart of all else. Because what's in your heart will cause, will put you on a course either good or bad, depending on what's inside of you, what you speak about yourself, what you think about yourself, what will eventually just come out through your actions, and that will determine which way you go. It says in Romans 12 too, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing. So the way, what's in it, what we allow in our hearts and what we allow into our minds. So what is in your mind will get into your heart and what we allow to, what we allow to think about long enough will get involved in our heart and what's in our heart will come out in our actions. And so if we allow words that are negative and, and we allow them, we don't have a shield, we don't guard, put like guard up against those things and realize what they are and realize, you know, that, that those things aren't really true about me, but we say, oh, we sort of take them in and allow, absorb them into our mind or our heart, then they will get in there and then we'll start to think we're really like that and then that determines our our actions and so we kind of either like going we sit we just push away and oh, I can't trust people oh, I can't tr- they might say something that's going to hurt me and so they, we take a step away and oh, I don't want to get too close to people because you know then they'll eventually they'll hurt me because everyone else in my life has hurt me everyone eventually says something that that hurts me and, and none of us none of us are perfect you are not going to find a perfect friend you're always going to find someone that at some point will say something that 
could hurt you, that could be taken the wrong way. They're not trying to hurt you, but we're not all perfect. We're going to say some things, and and you know, and so, and it's not like people deliberately are going to hurt you. But sometimes we just say things because they're out of situations. People are tired and having a bad week or whatever, and they say something or they say something quick or out of their bit of temper, a bit angry, and suddenly it can be a wound, and you go, oh well, that's it. I'm not going to have any more friends. I'm going to live. I'm going to live by myself somewhere in another country where no one knows where I am, and uh, and I just want to interact with anybody because I want to feel safe. And, uh, and unfortunately, there's people that do live like that. There's people that live like hermits. They live by themselves and, and they've been wounded, they've been hurt. And they'll, and they'll just isolate themselves from people because they can't, the underlying things is they can't trust people because of things that have been said and, and done to them. So instead of trying to, trying to deal with it or get free from it, they choose just to retreat. And the enemy goes, good, you just stay there. But Jesus is saying, come to me and I'll set you free. And so words are very powerful. They bring life and they bring death. What kind of words do you speak? What kind of words do you speak? Well, all of us, as I said, we don't always get it right, but we need to make a choice every day that we are either living with by faith in the words we speak we're speaking with faith or we're a lot of people that will speak words that are negative towards people is because they're living in fear themselves because a lot of people feel they might look tough on the outside but they feel intimidated by you or they feel scared or threatened by you because maybe they think that uh, you're gonna. It could be a work situation, and you're new at work, and and they think, oh, you're you're better than me. I think you're better than me at that, so you're gonna take my job. And so then they start to talk behind your back, or they start, they're not very nice to you, and and, it can, and it's all out of fear. They think they think, oh, this is gonna happen. It hasn't even happened yet. Probably won't happen. But out of fear, people can be negative and speak negative towards people. And the same thing is if you speak of faith and you speak with faith and step into, into something good, I believe that this is good's going to happen. I'm speaking with faith. I'm going to speak positively into people's lives. Then you're going to believe the best for people and your language and your words is going to be totally opposite. You're going to be the best encourager. You're going to be the person that's going to, you're going to know if someone's, you're going to look for people that are having a bad day and you're going to do everything you can to lift them up. You're going to look for people that I think that person needs a words of, words of encouragement and I'm going to be the person to do it and you will look for people and you almost like grab them and pull them up off the street like that girl was whispering words of life to those people that felt dead and there's people in your world that are living like that they're not physically laying on the ground but they're but on the inside they are to speak words of life to speak to speak words of encouragement something that will lift them up they don't need to hear all about Jesus in one moment. They just need you to say, hey, you are better than what you think. You, there is an incredible purpose for your life. You can do, you can do that thing. You don't be worried about that. Thing. They just need someone to tell them, give them hope in their life. And you're the person God has put there to do it. And you're able to do it. Words bring and words bring death. There's a story I want to share. And... Um, which illustrates some of these things as David and Goliath. And I want to read some of this, some of this story, not the whole story, but a lot of us know the story of David. Who who knows us to have heard the story of you would have? And um and it's a pretty powerful story. If you were there and saw this thing happen, 
with this young kid. It would have been a pretty amazing thing. It would be getting a lot of hits on Facebook and uh, YouTube if someone recorded it. Um, and so it's a pretty amazing story. It's one of those like hero stories like he did it. And, um, and so we sort of read in 1 Samuel 17, starting from verse 3, it says the Philistines and Israelites faced each other on opposite hills between them. So they, they're on massive armies on two hills, massive valley in the middle, and they're, they're lined up to fight each other. And Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. I want, to, I want you to just picture Goliath, just to remind you a few things how big Goliath was, because it's pretty amazing what David did. He's over nine feet tall. Okay, so that is like uh, two and a half meters if, um, if you're under 30. And um, over nine feet tall, he wore a bronze helmet. That's a metal. Um, and his bronze coat and sorry, I'm just uh, of male weight, 125 pounds. That's about 55 kilos. And so I'm sorry, I'm looking over this way. I should be looking. And um and he also wore bronze leg armor and he carried a bronze javelin, which is a spear, on his shoulder. The shaft of the spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, which is kind of like this, and the tip with, and was tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. That's about six and a half, seven kilos. That's heavy gear. Like that's half us in this room could even lift the thing. You know, Matt could, but um, but and and Ash, Ash could as well. But everyone else had no chance. And so, and so he's carrying this heavy gear. So he's a big guy, okay. And uh, his armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying the shield. It must have been too much for him. Oh, I just I can't carry the shield. You carry it for me. And so this guy's out the front with the shield. And Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across the Israelites, Why are you all coming out to fight? He cried. I'm the Philistine champion, but you're only servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we'll be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. So these are all fighting men, and they were, the Bible says they were full of fear. They were terrified, terrified at this guy. And then it says, sometimes we forget this, for 40 days every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelites. So this happened for 40 days in a row. It wasn't just like, oh, a few days, it's a weekend. Listen to the Goliath for a weekend. No, we've been here for like nearly two months. And, uh, and it's like, we're here for a long time. And it's like, and like Goliath's like coming out every day, coming out every day, taunting people. And he's, and he's saying the same thing. Come on, send your best warrior. I don't know how long it was going to go on for, but they, were, they all get out there, put their gear on every morning, stand and face each other. Thousands, tens of thousands of soldiers lining up, doing the same thing every day. He'd come out, say the same thing. All the Israelites would go, ah, and just walk away scared. And that was happening every day. I thought it'd get quite boring, actually. And so that's what they did every morning. I get sick of putting my armor on every day and standing there and doing the same thing. But they were scared, the Bible says. And, it's a, and one day, Jesse, who was David's uh, father, um, said to David, hey, I want you to, David's three brothers were in the army, one of the ones coming out every day, doing the same thing, listening to Goliath. And he said, I want you to go and give him some food, give him some supplies, and tell me how they're going. He wanted to know if this book, there wasn't any updates, there was no mobile phones, no one knew what was going on, you had to go and have a look for yourself. And so David went 
and he um and he and he wanted to go back, let dad know, hey, this is what's going on. And so he went there. He arrives in the morning and he says, David left the sheep with another shepherd, set out early next morning with the gifts as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. I find that funny. Um they get up after 40 days and they're like shouting, yeah, we're going to win today. Yeah, we're going to go out. I thought, and then it's going to stand there and the July is going to come out and they're going to run away scared again. I just find that funny. And so and so they go out, shouts and battle clothes, like we're the champions. No, you're a bunch of scared guys. And so soon the Israelites and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. David left the things, uh, his things with the keeper of the supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel, the one they've all memorized by now. And as soon as the Israelites' army army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Now they're just taken off again. And David's like, what are you doing, guys? He's like, they all, they all take off, run away. Have you seen this giant? One man asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. I doubt that would happen today. No chance. But And so David hears this and, he's, and like that gets his attention. I get a wife, no more taxes. And so David asks the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get for, you ask the question, what will a man get for killing the Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? This is David's language. And, there, and these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that is the reward for killing him. But when David's oldest brother, Iliad, now listen to this language, this is his brother, he, if David goes out and fights him, Eliab's going to get free taxes. I wouldn't be like, I'd be like, go for it, David. But anyway, so his brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men and he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he, de- he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. Now David arrived, he's bringing him food. He's bringing stuff for his brother. He knows why David's there. He knows his dad has sent him there and he attacks David. Why did he attack David? Because he was full of fear. They're all scared. They're all scared. They're they're lined up every day and no one was game enough. He wasn't game enough to go out and fight Goliath. If anyone should have been going to fight Goliath was Saul the king. And he was so far away from God, not his heart wasn't after God properly, that he was too scared to do it as well. And so out of fear, and that's what fear does, fear causes you to whatever's in your heart will come out. And he was jealous of David, probably from the moment when David was anointed as king when he was younger. And so he speaks like this to David. And David says, what have I done now? David replied. I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to, the, to King Saul and the king sent for him. So now he's standing in front of the king. And this is the first thing David says. He says, don't worry about the Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. He's, he's, he's the king of Israel, the anointed king, the God is anointed, who was scared with all these tens of thousands of soldiers, and David, who's a teenager, probably 16, something like that. 
And he walks in and he says, hi, King. How you going, Saul? King Saul probably never met him before. And he basically says, don't worry about him. I'll go fight him. In other words, I'm going to take care of it. And Saul's looking at him like, who do you think you are? Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted, and this is David's faith. This is the difference between faith and fear. This is speaking with faith and versus speaking out of fear. But David persisted. I have been taught, taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. It's a big graphic. Those uh, animal activists wouldn't be too happy. And... Um, I have you be turned up on David's farm. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. The point I want you to get tonight is this. Out of, all the, out of everything we say, remember this. That David defeated Goliath with his words before he defeated him with his weapons. He defeated him with his words before he defeated him with his weapons. And most things in life, you'll be defeated by the words you're speaking before you ever get into a situation in the heat of a battle. You'll be defeated by what is on the inside of you. You'll be defeated by what either your either faith that's inside of you or the fear that's inside of you. And whatever you choose that's going to be winning that day, whatever you choose to live by that day, that will determine the outcome of your battle. You win the battle by the words you speak before you're ever in a battle. And so David was speaking these words. He defeated Goliath with his words before he defeated him with the weapon. He was so sure, so sure that God was going to win. It wasn't even a question in his mind. Everyone else's Saul's like, that's impossible. You can't, that's ridiculous, Stephen, you going out to fight him. And everyone else is looking at him like, you're, you're going to fight him? And he was so sure, so sure, so full of faith that God was on his side. It didn't even question him because this guy was taking on, not David, he was taking on God. And, and, he said, and David reasoned that if he takes on God, then God is going to fight for me. And so Saul sent it all right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail, which would have been too big for him. David put it on, strapped the sword over it and took a step or two to see what it was like for he had never worn such things before. We're talking about armor that's heavy. And then, you know, so Saul tries to help David. He says, oh, take some of my stuff. Take some of these weapons. You'll, you'll need some of this. So this is a king's armor. This stuff's really good. It's the best you can get. And so like custom made, David puts it on and he suddenly realizes, I don't need this. This is not me. This is not going to work. And so Saul's trying to help him, but it actually hindered him. And people will try and help you, but when you're in a possible situation, when you're in a situation where the impossible needs to happen, because that's the kind of situation he was in, man can't help you, only God can help you. Because God is the only one that can change an impossible situation into a possible situation. And so David simply looks at him and says, I can't go in these. He protested to Saul, I'm not used to them. So David took it all off again, and he just picks up five smooth stones now you've got to understand these stones are when you say little stones they're not pebbles these stones weighed up to a kilo each these are like they're like shot puts so he gets big stones okay gets five of them 
puts them in his bag down his side. He's got a shepherd's staff and he walks out towards Goliath. Picks up five smooth stones from the stream, puts them in his shepherd's bag. Then the armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at the ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David. So then he starts having to go at David. Words of fear. You know, you, know, you sort of think about that for a moment. You sort of think, well, Goliath's expecting a warrior to come and fight him. And as a 16-year-old boy comes out, which is wearing a shepherd's outfit, whatever they're wearing, probably a bear pelt because he killed plenty. And he's got a staff, which Goliath just thinks is a stick. And he's got a bag. And he doesn't know, and he's got something in it. And so, and, he, and so he's like looking at him going, now Goliath would have been like, I reckon he would have been a bit thrown out. I reckon he would have been like, oh, who's this guy? And so straight away, he out of the, out of the, he would have been a bit taken back by this young boy. And so he's kind of out of that feeling. He like suddenly just starts attacking David with words, attacking him with, you know, who are you? Who are you? This, what, what is this? What, what's this guy just doing here? You're just a young boy. And he roars at David that you come at me with a stick and, and he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yells. And he starts yelling at David, doesn't faze David at all. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. The God of the armies of Israel whom you have defiled. And he says this, to he doesn't say I will. He knew his place. He knew who was fighting. He, he knew who was with him. He knew who was backing him up. He had, David, David didn't need that army. He had all of heaven's armies standing with him. They, no one could see them, but David was, they were there. And he said, today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I'll, like he did with everything else, and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the water. So he's going, like, it's not just you, the whole lot of you. Going to kill all of you. It's like he was like, you're all, gonna, you're all gone. And so he's just giving it back straight. And he said, because you defied God, this is what's about to happen. And that's all to the birds, the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. He said, because of this, the whole world's going to make God famous. I'm about to make God famous. It's not about me. It's about him and everyone assembled here will know the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. Not with sword and spear. It wasn't the them fighting each other that won the battle. It was David's faith and his words that he spoke in faith to God that won the battle. It was God that won the battle for David. It wasn't because of David didn't use any traditional weapons, he just spoke the word of God and he said, You have defied God, so now your battle is with him. And not with just me, but you're going to you're about to lose this battle, and he will give you. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone. He hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down to the ground. You know, if you look back in history, um, the Israelites had whole squadrons, I guess, of of soldiers that were skilled in sling. And the left, this is those left-handers and right-handers, and they could, with one shot, take out sticks 50, 60 meters away every time. And so David 
he'd been out shepherding, but while, uh, while there's nothing to do, he's picking up rocks and he's taking out trees. You know, it's like bang, 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 knocking off branches, just practicing, oh, I might have a shot at that thing there. And, and so he's just taking out stuff. And so he was so confident with what he had, he just took what he knew, what God had put in his hand, and said, God, you'll, you'll do what you need to do. And he just fired away. And then they chased down and they defeated the Israelites. Some, some scholars believe, you know, why did he take five? He was so sure, why did he take five rocks? Some, some believe that, you know, Goliath had four brothers, four family members. And some scholars believe that he picked up five stones because when he killed Goliath, if the four brothers came out, family members, he was going to have the other four rocks were for them. He expected some other people to come at him. He expected, like, Goliath's down, I'm going to have to fight my way out of who else is going to run at me. And so he had the other rocks there. It wasn't if, in case I miss, I just got a few extras to take out a few more if they come at me. So that was his faith in God. That was, he was show sort. But, but he defeated Goliath. He defeated the whole army, actually, through that one move. But he defeated Goliath first by his words used any weapons and we don't in the same way but your words are still used in the same way your words you can speak words of life words of faith or words of fear and negativity and you will and you'll get into situations conversations arguments with people or whatever it may be in tricky situations and depending on words you speak and depending on what your faith and confidence is in God it will determine what the outcome is of that situation you can bring life into every situation every negative situation someone attacking you God can still turn it around for good and bring life out of it depending whether you are walking by fear or whether you're walking by faith and God says walk by faith walk by faith i shared a couple of um quotes this morning and uh, if the rest of the worship team want to come up as we wrap up tonight and i shared a couple of these about faith and fear and one of them was joel austin's that said this fear and faith have something in common they both ask us to believe in something we cannot see fear is not too different to faith it's just a negative and so fear is just believing something you cannot see you're believing the worst that hasn't happened yet you're believing oh that's definitely going to be terrible and so that's fear taking over but faith says no matter what situation I'm in the best outcome is about to happen I'm going to believe for something incredible to happen and that's faith and fear will just throw it the opposite way into the negative and so they both had something in common, but we need to choose by. There isn't enough room in your life. Which one gets to stay in your life tonight? What one controls your life the most? Thank you for joining us. The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Baysack Christian Church.